0: Recorded at the Food About Town studio, this is Food About Town podcast, episode 38, featuring Ben Welk from Slow Road and Chris Clemens from Exploring Upstate. In this episode, we talk about finding restaurants on the slow road, meaning smaller places that not on the highway, finding interesting places to eat during the wintertime, especially. Talk a little bit about seasonal eating, I kind of malign the Naples Grape Festival, and... We also cover the new parklet showing up at Joe Bean and what that means for the city and that area in general. Uh, it's a really fun talk. If you're enjoying the podcast, please give us a rating on iTunes. And I appreciate you sticking around. Took a little break after Thanksgiving, and i to give you an episode this Christmas week. So have a great holiday, and I'll have another episode for you again next week. I'll have a blue. Christmas uh-huh. All right, well, first off, I'd like to thank um, both of my guests today, uh, starting with Chris Clemens from Exploring Upstate. Hey now. and Ben Welk from Slow Road. Hey. So I'd like to thank them for sticking around through my audio technical difficulties. <laughs> we, 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 we recorded 15 minutes before and it was recording through the internal microphone on the laptop. Whoops. So thanks for sticking <laughs> around, guys. And hopefully, the first part of our conversation doesn't seem stilted and repeated, but, um, so I brought Ben Welk in from Slow Road, as we talked about, to talk a little bit about some of what he's doing on the website, and then talk about some of the restaurants we can find around the less-traveled places in upstate New York, and... Maybe Give you guys a little bit something more to do during the winter months. Um, so first off, Ben, what is slow road? Uh, we, we had been on a little while back, but had some more audio difficulties that time. So, this is apparently a trend when Ben's around.
1: <laughs> i, I th- weird uh, radio things that I admit. I apologize.
0: Yeah, either, either strange I'm
1: strange
2: frequency, <laughs> I don't really understand. Right? It.
0: Either I'm really nervous, or this is just this <laughs>
2: we need to wrap you in like a ferret magnet or something. Oh, so that'd you be don't. pretty sweet.
0: <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, what, what, what is the slow road, Mr. Wilk?
1: Yeah. So slow road, uh, was really born out of an idea of kind of getting, uh, away from the routines we get stuck in, in our life. Um, specifically the, the idea of just being about efficiency and getting from point A to B. Um, so slow road comes from actually the idea of forsaking the highways, um, which, you know, highway bypasses culture. It literally bypasses place and a slow road, uh, are the roads less traveled that actually intersect with the heart of community um, and really give us a chance to connect with place place uh, and meet other people.
0: Yeah, and that's... So you've been doing a series of videos, uh, three so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were the areas that those uh, targeted?
1: Yeah, so episode one, um, we really kind of did this nostalgic summer uh, feeling. And uh, we went down to Max Drive-In, uh, which is near Waterloo, just off of uh, 96, where 5 and 20 meet. And, uh, you know, a couple stops along the way, uh, really to kind of encourage people to uh, leave what is East Avenue in the city, um, drawing attention to the fact it's East Avenue in the city and that, you know, these roads that connect with the core of our urban area can lead to these other iconic destinations. So that was episode one. Um, Episode two, we really themed around uh, the idea of of returning to our roots. Um, You know, and we did that quite literally with a farm to table restaurant that was located in Naples uh, called Roots Cafe. And Roots Cafe is in this old 19th century homestead. Um, They serve just an incredible menu, Uh, again, a fantastic tucked away restaurant where they actually talk about the fact that they see the the fields where their product comes from, that they know the farmers that come in and bring all the food in. Uh, And most importantly of all, they know how to cook it. They know how to make it in just incredible ways on their menu. Um, And then episode three um, was uh, in part featured Elm Street Bakery in East Aurora, uh, which again is another incredible uh restaurant with farm to table practices in a beautiful um old converted space and uh has this amazing store behind their their one of a kind uh pizza oven that they that they use.
0: Yeah, it really is a beautiful restaurant and that they cook almost everything inside a wood fired oven. Yeah and how technically well they execute it is really it's really something to see in person. Right. Plus, I mean, the right. the local sourcing doesn't hurt either. Right. <laughs> you know, they yeah. they do a great job. Definitely one of the better restaurants in the Buffalo area.
1: Right. Yeah. 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 And new to new to most people in Rochester too. You know, and for oh, to, to get people from Rochester to go out there and, and you know uh, meet with the owners there. And, and again, it's another story where a lot of these places we go for whatever reason, even though they have this just incredible intrinsic quality to them, um, they don't necessarily receive the exposure that they deserve. So if we can step in and we can help any one of those places and even put it on people's radar um, as a place that they should go, then that's what we want to do and, and give the business owners a chance to talk about what they've done, you know, over the course of the last five years or in cases like Max Drive-In uh, since
0: 1964. 1964. And is that like a drive-in just for food or is that is that like an you know, old school, you know, car hop... You know, hamburger, um, hot dog place, or yeah, a little,
1: yeah, kind of a little bit of both. Um, you know, no, no in movie with uh, with Max driving, um, but Max, you know, has a story about uh, the guy who took such an interest in actually sourcing his potatoes that he would research, uh, you know, every single potato that came in and would hand cut the fries um, that they would wow. serve. Um, you know, uh, they were one of the original Richardson's root beer franchises that existed in the in you know back in the '60s. Um, there's only two that uh, exist in the entire country at this point that still serve Richardson's root beer. So they, the way that they even serve their root beer float is very iconic. It's um, actually
0: kind of interesting. So I know both uh, Mr. Clemens and I have interest in root beer yeah what what is do you do you know more about richardson's i don't know if you remember oh, much man
1: yeah uh i have to rewatch my own episode um <laughs> you know i i don't remember a tremendous about about uh you know about richardson's um you know but i'm a huge root beer fan you know i, I like tom wall's root beer i think they do a great job as well um, I'm a big fan. Big fan of root beer floats, and uh, the way that Max Driven actually serves a root beer float is is kind of crazy. Like you have to jump in on this thing, you have to tackle this thing because they'll serve you this big frosted mug of root beer, and they'll actually put all of the ice cream on top of the full glass of root beer. So if you can imagine, it's wow. kind of like a submersive. It's like an iceberg, basically, <laughs> that's beginning to sink into your root beer, literally pushing it up over the sides of the root beer float. And that's that's how they've done it. That's how they've always done it since 1964. So just little things like that that are just, you know, it's fascinating. Why do they serve it that way? You know, and, and even being able to experience it, you know, those are the kind of things that are, I think, just really motivating that makes each one of us kind of want to get up and,
2: and go visit those places. Oh, you're yeah, killing. F- yeah, frosted mug is a touch that you can't find too many places <laughs> anymore.
0: especially serving it to the public means you have yeah. a big-ass freezer. Yeah just, keep those cold. yeah, just for mugs. Yeah, just for mugs all the time. <laughs> I think
2: you can still get a frosted mug at the Tom Walls only in Avon. That's really? the original. Yeah, yeah they the original Is one. Is that the I original? I think that's the only place you can still get a frosted mug, in the Tom Walls chain, at least.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had them... I had them... God, was, I think it was this summer they came to my... They work and did catering. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and it was actually i'm not I'm not a huge fan of all that kind of stuff all the time, you know the the standard uh, good
1: food <laughs> american
0: yeah, so I'm getting beat up from both sides here yeah backyard
2: so like, barbecue
0: yeah chris Chris is like, yeah, this is great food my, And Ben's st- my like, this staple is, this is this is perfect travel <laughs> this is this is Americana, <laughs> and I'm like I wish they did. <laughs> so anyways, they came in and actually, I hadn't had the root beer too much. it's a really good root beer float. Root beer, yeah, that absolutely. Tom Walls one for sure.
2: Yeah, we actually, I, in fact, I think you and I had their root beer. It might have even been the same <laughs> week at the Rochester Food Truck Rodeo. Yeah, it might have been because they were there.
0: Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't very far. wasn't uh, very far away from that. Yeah. That's for sure. So, um, so we definitely want to talk about some of these other places to go to. Obviously, those were highlighted in your episodes. Sure, right. So, we want to talk about some other places too to head out to during the the cold months where um you know some of the outdoor things aren't quite as available. Obviously, you know we're we're in what late November now and gnome leaves. You can't go out and pick your pumpkins or apples <laughs> and take the kids out in their wacky costumes and all that stuff. We're we're past that. Although it is oddly warm today. Very. It is so,
2: seasonably pleasant. Yeah,
0: yeah or... Yeah, I, it doesn't feel right, though, because it's 60 degrees today. It feels a little weird, but I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> you can live with it for today? Yeah, it absolutely. It didn't take too long to get used to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as the weather turns cold, I think we want to talk about some other um, you know, comforting restaurants to go to. Um,
2: well, I think th- what's interesting is uh, about that is seasonally my tastes change. Like in the summer, I love the Tom Walls hot dogs kind of thing, Yeah, but I don't crave that as much in the wintertime.
0: Oh, it, it definitely so that's actually really natural and it's yeah, it that's a great thing to great thing to talk about because seasonality is so I guess in right now as a as a restaurant thing. Sure. But it's one of those things that it really shouldn't be a you know, restaurant thing anymore. It's just how you should be acquiring your ingredients and cooking. Because yeah. you know, we have four seasons. Oh, <laughs> We do. Sometimes we'll see them all in a single day. Yeah. That, I mean, <laughs> they can be interesting seasons, and some seem a lot longer than others, winter. Right. But, you know, we we have the four seasons. We've got the beautiful vegetables that come out in the springtime. We've got, you know, the bounty of summer with our tomatoes and corn and everything else. And then the fall, with and as we're wrapping up now, with apples and Brussels sprouts and uh, squash and things. And right. then the long... Root stock of winter.
2: Right. You get the stuff that you had frozen from, from before. Yeah, I was going
1: to say, hopefully you've pickled everything else so right. you can have it. Oh, yeah.
0: If, you, if you're either a hipster or very efficient, you are, you are canning all day, every day. Canning and pickling. So, Mr. Clemens, how, how, what, what are your winter foodstuffs?
2: I think probably chili. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Crockpot sort of hearty um, comfort foods. Um, like, uh, the Italian, we were talking earlier about before we started, uh, recording some of the heavy Italian, like, you know, really heavy cheese, baked pasta, that kind of stuff warms me.
0: Um, so, yeah, a lot of the traditional stuff. I'm pre- I mean,
2: I'm probably pretty traditional, probably
0: American traditional. I mean, chili does sound pretty fantastic right now. I can't, yeah, I can't actually, it does actually. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Ben? Just generally, what are your, what are your go-to is when yeah, you get to winter?
1: I'm all over the board. I, you know, really, I, I, I really like the wood-fired pizzas, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's a great thing to have this time of year. Um, it, you know, it, it, it seems obvious, but anything that's warm and comforting. I you know, went to uh actually a restaurant at Seabreeze. I had never been to before, but it seems like it has a strong following uh Shamrock Jacks and they okay. you know, they're big on the Irish stews and the yeah. ch- the chilies and the soups, you know, broccoli cheddar soup, ca- uh cauliflower cheddar soups. Um, you know, if it's, if it's an unseasonably cool day or a seasonably cold day, as we keep <laughs> talking about, uh, then, you know, those are the, the type of things. But the other one, actually, I, I have to say is barbecue. Um, I'm a huge oh, nice. fan of barbecue. Actually, and that's actually I'd say almost year round for me because yeah, it, you know it's it's great in the summer. It feels like you should be eating it, and it's great in the winter because you're eating again hot. You know, there's your chili is probably something on the menu. Yeah, um, you got hot meats. Sometimes they're spicy. Um, you know, Mexican food, I think, as well. Actually, especially in the winter time, you go yeah. for the spicier foods. Um, you know, brighter colors. Even some of the the restaurants I can think of locally in Rochester. You know, you're sitting in uh, even like John's Tex Mex, and it's bright orange. That that's like that's very helpful when there's no color outside uh, because it's gray and slushy and, you know, snow, snow drifts are everywhere, um, to put yourself in, in those type of places. And obviously we're talking, you know, in some cases food that is Southern, uh, or even like, um, you know, by the equator, uh, you know, with, with where it's coming from. So maybe there's some
0: natural connection to that. Absolutely. So, yeah, so I wanted to touch on some of the, some of the places that, you know, either, either one of you have been to. Um and I think the first one is you know, we've we've talked a little bit before about um uh, so you met um uh, Medina mm-hmm. is a beautiful town what, forty five, fifty minutes away. Yep. By the yep. by the uh what what was it that 31? Thirty one, yeah. 31. So
1: thirty one will turn into thirty one a, right? Um, as you go out there. you actually reach the end of thirty one um, right around Brockport, and then it turns into thirty one a. And <coughs>
2: one hundred four is probably a common route to get there too. Yeah, one hundred
1: four a little bit up further, up just a little bit north. Yeah, a little bit further north. You know, lot up, lot up there on Ridge Road area too. Um, but yeah, yeah. So about equidistance between Rochester and Buffalo.
0: Right, and I know you've spent a lot of time out of there. And on the last podcast we did, we talked about the. Uh, was it the farm to table and wine trains that were right. operating at the time,
1: right <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and
0: you know I know i 've done some exploring out there since, and I know you have uh, what what are some of your uh, places out there
1: yeah, so we 're talking about you know mexican food uh, there's a place out there called mariachi Di oro. And, uh, you know, by far one of the most authentic Mexican restaurants I've ever tried, you know, anywhere in New York, um, for that matter. Um, they have a fantastic mole sauce. I'm a big fan of mole. Uh, you know, the chocolate, raisins, coffee is sometimes in mole as well. So it's just this amazing um, dishes that you can get there. You know, good prices. Everything's probably under $12 on the menu. Wow. Um, yeah, which, you know, big portions and everything. Um, but again, you know, it's I think it's kind of neat to start having people think differently about these these towns, which they may not know very much about, they may have heard of, but realize that there are incredible quality establishments. And, uh, you know, the tie with Medina um, is that there's a lot of Mexican uh, workers who work in agriculture in that village. And so they're coming up, popping up these amazing quality restaurants with the most authentic food you can get right. um, because they've literally brought it from their home. So it's a really neat opportunity to, you know, take a 50-minute drive and end up in Mexico. I mean, it, you know, <laughs> Medina, but Mexico, you know. It, yeah, it, not it,
0: Mexico, New York. Let's <laughs> not get confused. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, there there's also one. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's the other way, I think. Somewhere <laughs> in the like Thousand Islands or something. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Just a little past us we go.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, out there as well, two roadside taco stands where you can get quick food for, you know, quick food at the end of the day. And I've seen, you know, the big buses and vans pull up at the end of the day when I was traveling back from Buffalo. <laughs> um, and not only that, it's a interesting region. Obviously, you've done some work with the with the wineries out there. And mm-hmm. I was out there a few weeks few weeks ago. I mentioned, I think, in another podcast I did with, um, you know, Leonard Oaks and some of the destination. Obviously, we've got the Finger Wakes. Everybody in Rochester knows the Finger Wakes. Mm-hmm. But... You know, New York State wine isn't just the finger Lakes, Right. And I think a lot of people kind of forget about that.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think Niagara Wine Trail is on a mission to let people know that they exist in general. Um, But, you know, with every even portion of New York, you're going to have a different growing climate. So you're going to get different wines that are of different quality. Um, there's a lot of talk about some of the red wines being, you know, potentially stronger. I'm, I'm no expert, but you know, some of the things that I've heard are that the red wines actually come off as uh, as having a better growing climate um, within Western New York than than they do sometimes with the Finger Lakes, which are, you know, renowned for the Rieslings. Um, I'll leave that up to the experts to, to debate. <laughs> I'm sure that long dinner conversations and arguments uh, center on that. But yeah, you know, again, I just think we have to look at our region as a whole and realize, you know, what are the things that are, are, um, contributing to, you know, making this a great place to live. And I, I, you know, I would go so far as to say part of having a great place to live is having great places to eat. Um, but again, coming to an awareness that it's not just, you know, restaurants on Park Avenue, uh, or in other neighborhoods in the city of Rochester. That's actually some of the best establishments. And I would actually say some better, um, I'll ruffle some feathers. I'd say there's some better barbecue that exists in New York state is actually outside of Rochester, um, as a classic example.
0: Interesting. Any specific places in mind that you remember? Uh,
1: So there's two actually that I would, uh, very strongly recommend people check out. Um, one is Texas barbecue joint, uh, which is right in the village of Spencerport. Um, Christine, to- recognize no, recognize that, yeah. yeah,
2: no, totally agree. I didn't realize that was outside of Rochester.
1: Well, there you go, yeah, Greater Rochester. I, you know, technically, right. I'm talking yeah. city proper,
2: but sure, yeah, yeah. When you said like outside of Rochester, I'm like, what is he? Where is he thinking? And then when you <laughs> said, I'm like, oh yeah, totally, I, I agree. I love that. I like that they have a unique, um, uh, a unique menu. Oh, for sure. Um, I think yeah. for what we have in Rochester, it's yeah. diff- it's different menu items.
1: Yeah, and and for those uh, you know who haven't been there, I think it's one of the only places you can find hush puppies on a menu. Um, you know they do smoked beef brisket, they do pulled pork, they turkey. do you know rack of ribs. Oh, nice. Yeah, they do turkey. They're yeah. they're uh, known for their uh, outlaw potatoes, which are these massive, you know, up to one pound potatoes loaded with all this stuff. Um, I, I love everything about it. I love the location, you know, in the village of Spencerport, you walk in it, it has that old, like, I think it was an old bar or old saloon at some point. Yeah. Um, you know, I think tin ceiling and all these things that are in there. So it's just got this really kind of neat vibe to it. And you walk in and you actually order your food at the bar, but there's actually a free soup bar in the back, so you can always try either from uh, one of their Texas chilies or they have a baked potato soup that's actually free, huh. and you can you can actually eat the soup while you're waiting for the rest of your food order to come. That's which pretty when cool. It, when it comes, it's it's massive, uh, so do brace yourself for the amount of food that that will come. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that was a story of two Texas A and M grads who decided to open up you know a barbecue joint in the middle of Spencerport and now it's become one of the best in the region. And actually another one I'll throw out is uh, three legged pig, um, which Agreed. is in yeah Lakeville. Yeah. Um, right off of 20A, uh, actually appropriately on Rochester Street, which is, you know, fantastic. Again, definitely outside of Rochester with this one. It's about thirty five, forty minutes. Yeah, huh. it's right um, on the south.
2: north tip of Canisius Lake. Yeah. That's Canisius Lake, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, you know, just south of Rochester. Um, again incredible portion sizes. Um, honestly some of the best pulled pork I've ever had. Um you can order they have a feast for two. And I wanna say, you know, right now it's under under thirty dollars for the feast for two. So the prices are, you know, a little more favorable than sometimes what you find in the city as well. And uh that was a meal that me and my wife couldn't finish um with the amount of food that they, they put in there. You know, four I think it came with four different sides. Um but again, these these are the type of places that even in the dead of winter, uh have significant appeal because it's a, a fairly short trip gets you outside of the city, gets you kind of seeing that, you know, the countryside, even in the wintertime, which can be beautiful. As we said, you know, open fields and hills oh, and all these things, um, gets you out there and, uh, then gives you a chance to try some really warm, good co- literal comfort food in this case.
0: Yeah. I feel really bad. This, th- the reason why I wanted to pull Chris Clemens in is because he's been to all of the small towns. <laughs>
2: <laughs> There's probably some I've missed.
0: Probably some, but he's been to so many more than I have, and you know, he's nodding along with every one of these picks. I'm like, okay, I've heard of Texas Barbecue Joint, but Three Legged Pig, I haven't heard of. You haven't? No, and it looks, it looks oh, pretty man. fantastic. I'm looking yeah, at the I website bet. right now. I've been yeah.
2: there a bunch of times, um, and it, actually, I've even, like, I've even checked in on Facebook. You must not pay attention to my social media.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. In fact, let's just go right now.
0: We're, we're going barbecue? Is <laughs> yeah, that we where we're should, going?
2: We should go to Three-Legged Pig. Actually, by the time we get there, it's probably closed. But yeah. we, should, we should plan a trip, and we'll do that. Oh, we absolutely. Yeah. We should definitely. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, we're, we're all sitting here and languishing a little bit. I mean, we're, we're all waiting for dinner. At least I know I am. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, now all we're talking about is food, barbecue yeah. and drive-in places with fantastic root beer. And I'm You're salivating, salivating all
2: over your mic <laughs> there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Moisture in the mouth. (laughs) Sorry.
2: (laughs) So when you're on the road, either one of you, Mm. how do you find a place to eat? Because there are times, like if I schedule a day, um, like let's say I'm going to go to Buffalo. Actually, Buffalo is probably a bad example because there's a ton of options that you could find. But if I'm going to go to some random place in the middle of nowhere in the mohawk valley or whatever like how do you discover a place to go and eat do you do it in advance do you look it up or do you just drive around aimlessly hoping that you're going to pass this gem of a restaurant
1: yeah it, it boy i mean you, you kind of you put it in a good context and a challenging context because really that that can be what it is if you look at somewhere you know, you might you might find a restaurant you're interested in picking. I think generally I like to have a have kind of an idea of places. I may not pick it. You don't want to go uh, in completely blind. Yeah, not necessarily. But then again, sometimes when you go in completely blind, that's when you find some of the, the best things. And the one example that's coming to mind is uh I took a trip to Ithaca recently and I went down uh I think it's Route eighty nine, um, down south of Seneca Falls, you know, Cayuga Scenic Byway. Yeah. Hmm. And had planned to eat in Ithaca. Um, you know, wanted to hike to the base of Taconic Falls and all this stuff. And uh, my wife and I uh, and our six-month-old son um, we're driving along. And all of a sudden, I look to the right of the road, and I'm like, what is that? And it's this – it's a train car. It's a Lehigh Valley Railroad train car. Um, I recently posted photos of this up on the Slow Road uh, Travel Instagram. Um, And it's got this sign that says World's Smallest Diner. Yeah, and I just couldn't believe it. I had never heard of the place before; had no idea it existed. You know, so I'm like, "All right, you know, I have no idea what this is." It, it, and when I say like, you know, there was nothing around this. There was not even like a town that we passed before we came to this. This was <laughs> this was it, it basically in a dirt lot on the side of 89. I can't remember.
2: The, I'm trying to remember the name of the town. It starts with an A, right? I, a- I don't a- even know. Avoca, if if
1: maybe? Yeah, Avoca. 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 That's it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, see, I, I didn't even know where it was physically located, but uh you know, so there's this this place called the Black Diamond Diner. Yeah. And so we had to stop and I get out and there's this this character and that's all I can describe him as because he had this gigantic white <laughs> cowboy hat on and there was literally this stand in vestibule Which was disconnected. It was connected to the train car, but like you couldn't walk into the train car itself because that was his kitchen. And so you walked into the vestibule, and he like was talking to customers. He he excused himself, walked out the door, came in the back door of the train car to take my order, and he was serving New York Wine Trail burgers. And so he had you know burgers with New York cheddar and this red wine sauce on it, and it it was awesome. It was just you know (laughs) for like I want to say less than four dollars. Wow. You know, so there is this challenge when you go somewhere. I I think it's good. (laughs) To do a little bit of research, and I think even in terms of how, like you know, um, certainly you can look at things like Google, and you can try to zoom in enough where you see something. Yelp, I think, is probably the most established platform for for food places overall. TripAdvisor, I know, yeah, kind of fits in there too. Um, so you kind of try to look at these places and, and find any you know a photo if you can, and what the what the ratings of a place are. Uh, but again, sometimes you just got to throw caution to the wind and stop at a place like the Black Diamond Diner. Just because you have to stop and you have to know what this place is because you can't... Passing it by and ignoring it is, is worse than the idea of stopping and actually experiencing
0: it. Yeah. Even if it's terrible, that's just a perfect it's a story. story. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The,
2: yeah. Having food isn't necessarily just sustenance. And I think that's the case for all three of us. It's the experience yeah. Oh, yeah. of experiencing the culture of the restaurant, the ambience, and putting it all together and yeah. saying that we were here celebrating everything that they're doing in that place. Yeah. yeah. And part of the experience of your travels, too. You know, I, I think that's a huge piece of it is
1: there's, all these different things and sometimes I would say maybe we don't even know what they are when we set out. Sometimes I'm literally just setting out from the city because I just need to set out and I need, I need something new and I need to be surrounded by things that are, that are not as familiar or completely unfamiliar. And there's something incredibly refreshing and therapeutic about that idea. Yeah. Um, but again, this organic idea of actually stopping where you can have hospitality, where you can interact with another person and and what is a greater form of hospitality than somebody serving you food. You know, that's, it makes perfect sense that those are the type of places that you're going to want to stop and and find. So it's, it's gotta be a staple of any trip, you know, not just from the, the germane. Yes. You can pack a picnic lunch. Yes. You can do other things, but to me, it's definitely that experience (laughs) connecting with other people and especially characters like this guy, you know, that, that made my day. Like I didn't care what else I did the rest of the day that, that stop alone was like, wow, you know, this is, this just blew my mind for every yeah. reason yeah know?
0: yeah
2: i agree if i'm on a day trip and i'm exploring and i'm finding all kinds of interesting spots food needs to be one of them not just to uh, fill my stomach but to be part of that whole experience sure yeah, yeah.
0: i'm going to th- put on the brakes on all of this for just a minute well, just you're because. in charge <laughs> you're allowed to i don't want to be in charge yeah but i suppose i kind of have to be so there's definitely upsides to that. And as you said, you know, it's great to do the exploring and do the other stuff. I I think by nature, I'm a researcher. Yeah. You know, I, I try to find places to go. So I have, I know I have options and sometimes going, going to these places it just, they sound better than they actually end up being. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Because you know, when you do your research and one of those, I'm just, I'm throwing it under the bus right now just Uh because I, I just, I went for the first time, and I couldn't have hated it more.
2: Uh oh. <laughs> All right. So this is a place that was hyped up based on what?
0: Uh based on overall popularity. By who? Based, uh everybody. Or whom? Is like whom? are we
2: talking Yelp ratings? Oh or no, no, Google? no. Not
0: not a restaurant. This, is, this is an Mouth. event. Oh, an event. An event that's uh centered around food. It's huge, brings in tons of people, it's off the slow road. It's everything Ooh. we've been talking about. It has. It's unique to upstate New York. My brain is racing. Yeah. I, it's I, I it's everything we're talking about. And you're like, oh, this is unique. There's all these little things. And everybody goes to it, so it's popular. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the Naples Grape Festival. Oh. Okay.
2: Oh, okay. Okay.
0: So tons of people.
2: So you sat. First of all, your experience was that you started out by sitting in your car for an hour. Yes. Before you got into Naples, absolutely. <laughs> um, then you found parking that was probably within a
0: fifteen mile radius
2: of the town. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we we even got fantastic parking, and it was okay. That's cool. I mean, we were maybe a mile away from the, the center of the festival. Okay, which I thought was pretty good.
2: Yeah, that actually that sounds pretty good actually. And unless you go at like seven o'clock p.m. on a Saturday, oh, then, then you can get really good uh, after it's over. <laughs>
0: After it's over, then you can park right next to the school and there everything's fine. Um, I think that I think the problem for me was it, it was so many people. Yeah, it's, and
2: it's, it's an overwhelming experience.
0: And any of the charm that got, uh, the charm that was there, maybe ten years ago or fifteen years ago, it kind of got overwhelmed by how many people were there to experience the charm.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's so. It, it brings up a great point. Yeah. Um. Uh, Just one quick observation is that sometimes when these towns throw a festival, and I I would throw Rochester right in there with us, it is not the most authentic representation of what the place is. And and I don't know what protocol Naples Grape Fest has, even for their vendors, you know, who they let in. Um, But I will say, you know, we've seen even locally um, with things like the Lilac Festival to Park Avenue Fest. Uh, and others of all these vendors who come in. And, and kind of the question is, where the hell do these people come from? Really, you know, because because that's what they do. They do the festival circuit. And just because they do the festival circuit doesn't mean there's any quality whatsoever to what they do. It's certainly not local. Um, and again, is, is Park Avenue Fest the most authentic interpretation of Park Avenue? I would say no. And to Naples' point, I w- you know, the most enjoyable trips I've had to Naples, yeah, I've done the Grape Fest a couple times. It sure. probably, probably was my introduction to Naples, you know, because I... I right. At the, certainly at the age and the time I was there I would have had no reason to go there of my own accord right so that was my first impression of Naples but coming back and actually getting the authentic Naples experience which right now I I would say is you know a run of a couple things you know hiking Grimes Glen um, going to Roots Cafe and having a farm to table meal uh, going just up the hill to the South Bristol Overlook to the south end of Yeah. all of those things are going to set that that Naples experience apart so it's actually you know it's a great point because these huge festivals that bring people in may not always be the best way to interpret those places. And maybe it is that burnout sensation. Like, I went once, and I don't ever want to
2: go again. Sure. But (laughs) it's also possible that, and admittedly, I don't know how long the Naples Grape Festival has been going, but the first five, ten years of that festival, it might have been very representative of Naples and downtown Naples and all the people that were doing things. Um, So I think what is often on my mind is when I find something that I really love and no one knows about it. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Am I supposed to share it? Right. Because like, if I share it with people, and then all of a sudden <laughs> it becomes awesome, and you've got like this, like you mentioned the one dude in the cowboy hat who's basically, it sounds like, running everything completely by himself. Oh, yeah. If he suddenly has a line of people that he can't keep up with. 20. (laughs) (laughs) If he has a small party, a small gathering at his restaurant, like day in and day out, like that gets so tiring to the fact where he probably doesn't want to do it anymore. Um, And then that experience for those of us who found it early on is maybe tainted a bit.
1: Well, and maybe that's the perfect balance is that some of these places have to be so far away you know that it actually you kind of you kind of do weed some people out. I, it, I I'm actually you know we, it's hard for me to relate to people that don't like the idea of being 20 minutes outside of Rochester. Yeah, I would definitely say that. But but there are absolutely those people you know who are like this is this is my home. This is where I am all the time. You know I don't I I get anxiety about traveling 45 minutes to an hour outside of town. You know my my thought process at this point and obviously what we're trying to advocate for through slow road is. There's no reason to feel anxiety in a day and age where we have technology where literally you can turn your phone off, drive for an hour, experience everything you can experience, and then turn your phone back on to find your way home. You know, we have these tools that we didn't have 10 years ago where every single one of us has a Google Maps you know, app right. that will get us home if if we're in the middle of nowhere. So to me that's that's empowering. That actually makes me want to go even further and I don't think twice about taking the most back road I can possibly find because I have a and it doesn't always work. Google Maps does not always work. I'll say that. <laughs> I have gone far enough that it doesn't work. You have reached your but destination. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Generally speaking. This dead end street. Yeah, generally speaking it's it's you know, it's a resource and it's it's a safety net. But yeah, so some of these places I think are able to maintain part of their integrity because of the fact that they're far enough away, or maybe even outside of a, a population, because again, Naples Grape Festival—I don't know how many—it's thousands. It's probably tens of thousands of yeah, people. Yeah, I think it's more, you tens know. Fair, of but again, yeah. Fairport, it's, it's Fairport Canal Days is what three hundred thousand in a weekend or something like that. Wow. Like, is that the most authentic way to interpret? 300,000? hundred. I've, I've heard as much as three hundred thousand. So. You know, is that the most authentic way to interpret Fairport? No, it's it's mob. You're not going to get the the quiet bookshop experience. You're not going to be you know. You're not going to go to Royal Cafe and 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 try one of yeah, their European it's, it's soups because their soups aren't even going to be on the menu because they can't serve them with that many people there. at Sure, that point. it's not you know? even possible. Right. So so I think those events are obviously hugely important to a local economy. They're hugely important to get people to know that you exist. But maybe it's even how they're treated that they really should be this like. Thank you for coming. Now make sure you come back again and actually see what our, our town is about. And, and it, it, I don't know. I'm just kind of fascinated by that. I can keep going on and on about that, and I won't. But uh, <laughs> it's. I just think it's a really interesting example to be talking about Naples in the, in its context of the grape festival, which you're right is overwhelmed and overrun. Um, versus going back, what would how different would your experience be? Oh, so now you have to go back to Naples.
0: Completely different, and you know you're walking around. It's you know 80 something degrees. You're packed with people on the sidewalk for the entirety of the whole festival yeah you want to stop but you can't stop anywhere and it's (laughs) i mean (laughs) i
2: i I, I, i'm I'm totally with you man it's overwhelming yeah just the parking and driving alone um stresses me out
0: yeah and it seemed like you're right and you know the stuff ben brought up it seems like a really cool place to go visit yeah naples is beautiful right i have no idea i have no idea it's beautiful yeah i saw people and more people and cars and more people a lot of the back of people's heads <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. They, yeah. All, they all look like grapes <laughs> <laughs> they all look like
0: grapes and my head probably did because i was angry
1: <laughs> Yeah. So and, and, and again you know maybe that's a chance to look at what's around naples on a day like that like what are some of the other places you would be near that you wouldn't normally interact with that you can go a little bit out of the way to, to go check out right and, and actually we that.
0: for an example we we drove by a a uh, small like diner-like restaurant on the way there and that's where we ended up eating on our way out of town. Yeah. And they did a really nice job. Was it, it Bob was, and Ruth's? If I remembered the name, I would be lying. I, I just <laughs> 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 All right. It, it it was it was a little more modern, oh, but it was not Bob and Ruth's. No, it was not like old school diner. It was yeah. It but it was exactly what we needed at the time. We needed something that was hearty and you know, the right time for the right thing. Yeah, sure. Um and i'm sure you've run across your fair share of those in your travels too.
2: Yeah, totally. Like there are there are times when i have been driving and said that looks totally awesome and i might not even be hungry, so i'm going to stop because who knows when i'm going to be back in this area yeah, again. There's also been times when i've thought, man, i just need to note this. Like i've got a list, like a mm-hmm. an activity queue. Uh, where I write all of these things when I find them, and say I need to go back to this region, and that's some place that I need to eat.
0: Oh, I'm sure that's um, li- that list is pretty fascinating. at this uh, It's
2: it's fascinating and quite long. <laughs> yeah, and you know the problem with that list is the problem with uh, it's the good problem of upstate New York is every time I crossed one off, I got to put two more on. Right. There's endless number of things to explore when you open yourself up to those tiny little diners like you mentioned. Right. It might not be a historic diner. It might not be anything that's ever going to be on diners, drive-ins, and dives, or th- is that the name of that show? Oh, sure, yeah. yeah. It's so not Some, it's some gonna, order of those words, yeah. Right, yeah. It's never going to be on the Food Network or famous Yelp. It's not going to be Yelp famous. But there's a story there, like Ben mentioned, there's a story there about the people who own it. There's a story about the people who work there and who are putting something into that region and into that town that makes it really
0: fascinating and important. Yeah, absolutely. So we are going to transition to another topic in a few minutes, uh, I'd like to get a few of your, you know, maybe a couple other highlights of places that you've run across in your travels that, you know, really resonated for you, either from a story perspective or just because it was, you know, the perfect food at the perfect time.
2: Yeah, so this past summer, I wa- I had a few hours to kill in Woodstock. Nice. Um Great I place for food. I love, I love that town so much.
0: <laughs> I mean, you're... Like, you're it calls to me. You're kind of a hippie at heart, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> <mean, sighs> You you have got it in you. You got some of it. There might be a little hippie in me. Yeah.
2: Yeah, there I, I, it's a tad. <laughs> um <laughs> but I I don't wear patchouli oil anymore.
0: I that, that's that's I an important ha- word anymore. <laughs> Because I can say definitively, I have never worn patchouli. Never at all? God, knows. Yeah, well, you I know, know what it is.
2: If is. You, you've seen my high school senior yearbook picture. Is pretty, pretty it's pretty impressive. It's a tie-dye with hair that, like, hangs down, like, maybe even below the frame of the picture <sighs> with, I've got my crystals and beads and stuff from my... Yeah, so there's probably still some hippie that I haven't quite killed off yet. Um, it's a Woodstock.
0: But, yeah, so Woodstock. So just walking around
2: aimlessly and uh, and... Like I did no research. I had no Yelp. I had no Google. It was literally me walking, and I was alone, so I was allowed to make any decision I wanted. Um, and Which like, is
0: great and terrible sometimes.
2: It's a, yeah, it's a little of both. Um, and honestly, I don't even remember the name of this place, and I feel really bad about it. But it was super bright and vibrant, and it had like tacos and hot dogs and all these food that I really loved. And I walked in, and it turns out. Like, the owner was there, and I got talking to her, and she's like, oh, my daughter used to live in Rochester. Well, she went to school, and we made all these connections that was really pretty awesome. And the food was fantastic. And then she goes here, and she, like, gave me a free ice cream cone, like, to go. And, like, so the food was awesome, but it was not, um, like, high-end. Like, they didn't go to culinary school, I could tell. Right. But the food was awesome, and the experience was awesome, and the ambiance was awesome. Um, that for me was really important.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, So that was one of those things where, like I said, I didn't plan and research in advance, and it really worked out well. Um, And uh, it's a story that apparently I don't know the name of the place, but it's a story that I like (laughs) to think about. Um, So specifically, you asked me um, Mm. ones that I really like. One that I always come back to is in the Finger Lakes is the Finger Lakes Wienery
0: and we've talked about this before. We have talked about it. And, and we did a bad job not going there this I have summer. Not gone there <laughs> not I don't know who I've we is, but I've gone. I, I I did not go this summer. I, I went feel this really
2: summer. bad. Um, the Finger Lakes Wienery, they do all it's like farm to table type stuff. Like some of the herbs they use, they literally grow like right outside the door. Um, it's all locally sourced, really, really good sausage and hot dogs. Um, so again, in the summertime, if I'm driving through that region on my way to like Watkins Glen or something, like that's something that I crave and really love. Fresh salsas and mustards and all that kind of stuff on there.
0: Mm. Um, With no mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> I no, sir. Up.
2: No, sir. No mayonnaise. No mayonnaise. But no like in sir. the dead of January... That's probably not top of my list. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the other things that I really love about New York is, and and you know, I've never I've never lived in another state. I've traveled to other states and gone around and researched and read and stuff, but I don't know if other states have regions of food that are celebrated quite so much like New York.
0: Yeah, it's really um, different from one city to another.
2: Yeah, totally. And that's one of the things that I really like doing is if you go to Buffalo, I love trying the Buffalo wings in all of Buffalo, going to the Buffalo wing festival. Um, that kind of stuff excites me to try all the different Buffalo wings and how each one interprets just slightly different. Or in Rochester, the garbage plate and trying each person's garbage plate.
0: Yeah, and I think we were uh, briefly talking about Utica, which is it's, it's a whole nother thing. I mean, they have... totally. It's a subset in of itself, and there's there's a lot of Italian influence. But
2: Utica is like Little Italy.
0: Yeah, and there's dishes that nowhere else has, and the names no one else would ever think of. Yeah, pusties,
2: uh, chicken riggies, uh, and they've got the black and white cookie, Utica the greens. Utica greens. Yeah,
0: I mean these, oh. these, these. I mean
2: there was a there was a lot of mafia there at one point.
0: Oh really? It's true. Oh yeah 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 yeah. 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 Oh, see, a lot this. of interesting I, I, just, <laughs> yeah. I knew that I didn't know any of the places You
1: just now mentioned I'm But I knew, I knew Utica had, a, had definitely had a History yeah, of corruption They got
2: a little bit of uh,
0: yeah. a little bit of Sopranos a In a there A few
2: consiglieres <laughs> <laughs> So we should go to you, Utica <laughs> I think it's a great idea. We'll see if we can find a place that has like one of those pull handle uh, toilets in the
0: bathroom. Oh, that'd be perfect. Yeah, so authentic. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can go curling. We can eat some Italian food. It'll be great.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think
1: your point about Woodstock is is pretty interesting. It's been a long time since I've been to Woodstock. I mean, probably like seven years. And there's there's a food spot that stood out in my mind to this day because of their approach to both quality coffee and quality food called Oriole 9. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I think they're still there. I think there's, they've they been are in business there. for like 25 years or more. Um, but they were like, you know, if we talk about third wave coffee. These guys were like second wave coffee. Yeah. And they were at the beginning of second wave coffee, which was really, you know, for those that don't <laughs> know the term, it was basically people being able to order espresso and coffee roasted in-house. Right. So it wasn't necessarily manual pour overs and all this other stuff who cares you know it was a fantastic place to get coffee and they still were, were doing it amazingly well but I, it kind of brings this point to me which is um, in certain situations it's kind of like a one-off or it's one or two places within an entire community other places the communities themselves are almost you can almost trust them more when you go there And so I was racking my brain as we were sitting here to think of uh, at least two places that I could think of where, there you know, as a a city or town or village where you can rely on good food. Um, The top of the list to me is Hector, New York, off of uh, Seneca Lake. And you have places like Red New Bistro there. You have Stone Cat Cafe. um, You have uh, Dono's. um, You know all this incredible. A lot of it again, farm to table, uh, local food. Um, that's very finger legsy. Oh yeah. That's that is like a hub in the finger Lakes for people that don't know Hector in New York. Hmm. Um and it's like halfway between uh I think uh Geneva and Watkins Glen, I wanna say. Um on like a four 14? yeah, four fourteen. Um so Hector New York would definitely be a place that I think it's year-round. You know, people can go down there and get incredible food and, and actually all of those restaurants, there's it's a weird sort, there's really nothing else there. There's not even m- much of a main street. Um, I don't mean to insult Hector New York in saying that, but it's very, very, very small. <laughs> there's a lot um, of towns like that in New probably, York. Still. Probably probably yeah, less they than eight. They don't have they
2: eight. don't have internet either, so they won't hear this. There's <laughs> <laughs>
1: probably about less than eight buildings there. Uh, but for some reason that has become this hub of all these, you know, top of the line food places in upstate New York. Um, And then the other one I was thinking of was um, Skinny Atlas. And this time of year, that's a fantastic place to go that's, you know, gets a lot of the Syracuse crowd. Um, It's on Skinny Atlas Lake. Um, I hope I'm saying that right. It's not an easy word to pronounce. Um, But there's a place there that I love (laughs) that has that almost stately feel. You know, you think about like uh, you know, Dickens Christmas stuff and they actually literally do a Dickens Christmas event. So I'm sure this is somewhere in my consciousness that I'm tying the two together, but there's a place (laughs) called the Sherwood Inn and the Sherwood Inn, you know, I can't remember the dates again. It's some, you know, 19th century uh, old inn that's existed right up on the lake. And it is just phenomenal food. Uh, Very, you know, you walk in, you know, big Christmas tree fireplace. There's a tavern off to the right. There's finer dining on the left. You can, you know, get, get your, uh, your steak or, you know, with your scotch, like whatever you want, but it's, you have great views outside of there. But when I think about warm, cozy places, you know that's a great place to go. Blue Water Grill, I think, is across the street. Um, that's a community you can kind of trust and rely on. So, and, I, and I'm sure there's other examples, but it, it's funny that some of these communities have, I guess, really have done a good job of organizing a strong network of food places to bring visitors, mm. you know, in from the outside, and obviously residents as well. That these are their favorite places that keep going. The fish place too. I'm gonna blank on it. Yeah, but
2: there's, there's a, a fish place pl- that does a fish fry. It's a guy's name. Yeah, like Jim's think, restaurant or something. Yeah, it might, I think that might even be a. It something. might be. Yeah.
0: And it's it is a great hook. I mean, there's, it definitely brings in people, and it gives you something to remember. And even if it's not the other stuff, even <laughs> if it's not the scenery,
1: we we were close on the first name. It's uh, Doug's Fish Fry, so <laughs> Re- all right. real close. At least right. it was one. It was a guy's name with fish. Right, yeah. guy's name. Doug's Fish Fry. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and they import. I think they like import daily from New York. You know, for all the overseas stuff. I'm That's sure crazy. they utilize yeah, Great yeah. Lakes fish. And again, it's it's not. There's really. To my knowledge, nothing like it. You go to Skinny Atlas. You have a choice now of seafood. You know, there's bakeries and then the two restaurants we just mentioned. So that's a community you can you can rely on for those kind of things.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating because seafood is one of those things that's so hard to recommend places sometimes. Sure, even in a city like Rochester, it's it's hard to find you know seafood places that you can trust.
2: Yeah, I mean, when I like, I've been to like Miami and parts of Florida and eaten right off the coast, like sitting on the ocean. Yeah, <laughs> it's very difficult to come back to like Rochester in like February. And order order coconut <laughs> you shrimp, get, yeah, yeah. Or, or like, you know, uh, scallops or something that I know, right, uh, didn't come from anywhere in our state.
0: Yeah, True. those those would not be the best scallops I've ever had. Right. Yeah, but you know, it is a. I think that's a great example and a good to wrap up the, the food part of the conversation with it's not of the place at the time. Sure. You know, if you're in Miami at a certain time of year, you're going to get, you know, that certain kind of seafood. And here, I'm, all, I'm huh? gonna also
2: going to get a Cuban. Oh, yeah. Well, we,
0: we still, we still have Cubano to find a sandwich. We still need a real Cuban sandwich here.
2: Yeah, I've tried. Every <laughs> single time I'm someplace and I see one on the menu, I eat it most times I'm let down.
0: Yeah, there's some there's some adequate versions, but sure. not I don't think there's been one that's been like superlative that's no. really piqued and my interest yet.
2: And if there's one on the menu that has mayonnaise, I'm just done with the place completely. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I didn't even Write that, it off. Didn't you know that could be a thing.
0: Oh no. man Oh it's definitely still, a thing. it's still
2: not a
1: Cuban if it's got mayo on it, right? Oh I God, couldn't no. agree more.
0: Yeah. No, it's definitely a thing and it's not acceptable. Yeah no not cool. <laughs> so um wanted to wrap up the conversation with a project that uh, Ben's also involved in, which is the, what'd you call it? Is it the Rochester Parklet? Is this the first yeah. Rochester Parklet?
1: It is, yeah. So um, long story short, um, the credit really goes to Joe Bean Coffee Roasters and the city of Rochester. Um, they picked up talks about a year ago. There's this abandoned fire lane out in front of Joe Bean Coffee Roasters on 1344 University Avenue. And it's owned by the city. It's a defunct fire lane. It's no longer needed. I don't pretend to know why it's defunct. I just know it is. Um, But there was talks about improving the public space uh, outside of the building. And uh, Joe Bean began working uh, with the city of Rochester and their interns um, to actually do some research on parklets across the country and to bring the idea here. Um, I had the fortune of picking up with those guys this past fall. You know, kind of the day job uh, stuff that I do is based in public relations and marketing, um, placemaking, um, you know, more and more with some of the things I'm doing as well. And so this was a project I really wanted to be involved with and basically just, to, you know, approach them about trying to help them with fundraising efforts and uh, social media and the promotion of the idea. Um, and we uh, really had a very interesting roller coaster uh, ride on Kickstarter. Absolutely. Um, you know, it was definitely it's it's I don't have a lot of experience utilizing Kickstarter. It was the way that we decided we wanted to do this to kickstart the launch in spring, and um you know we had uh, we're looking to raise eleven thousand eight hundred and seventy five dollars and uh I think you know within a week of the campaign uh we may not even have been fifty percent of the goal and then uh the following Friday came through and all of a sudden we started picking up donations um you know we started edging closer and closer to our goal to the point where we Uh, Thankfully, we're 100% successful the night before the campaign ended. And when I went to bed the next morning and I woke up, we were 108% to goal, raised almost $1,000 over the goal for the Kickstarter. Um, So the, the, you know, fantastic news out of that, that's going to help us to engage Stash, uh, a local B Corporation, um, you know, design company to build that and to get the materials necessary to put this together. Um, And obviously, I think part of where we're going with this is the fact that, uh, you know, Parklet is... um, takes over these dead spaces traditionally parking spaces and programs them into social gathering spots. Uh, and here in Rochester, we've got a very vibrant food truck community. Uh, La Petite Poutine was definitely, you know, waving the campaign flag for us on this. Yeah. Um, and actually the parklet party, which is going to happen in April, Uh, We'll have uh, Marty's Meats and La Petite Poutine at it.
0: Um, It's an an exciting event, that's for sure. Yeah, Yeah. so
1: so all of a sudden now what we've done is create infrastructure that's going to benefit, number one, outdoor gathering spaces, but number two, a space for people to actually quite literally dine in outside of these food trucks. They get their food with the food trucks, and they're able to sit there and utilize that public space.
0: Yeah.
2: So I got a question about this. Sure. And hopefully I'm not putting you on the spot. Yeah, go for it. Well, you can it. edit it out if he is not, not comfortable <laughs> later. Yeah, So technically, the, the parklet will be a public spot. Yes, yes. Does that mean Joe Bean can't serve alcohol there anymore? Well, so... Because I know Joe Bean is really kicking up their alcohol menu a lot.
1: Yeah, th- so there's it's kind of interesting. There's a spot directly in front of the building. Um, which I think is going to be able to be licensed. So it's actually on the other side of the sidewalk that's closest to the windows there. Right. So in that seating area, they can. Uh, in the public, public aspect of it, no, they can't. Not, not until we get to the point where there's open container laws allowed, which probably won't ever happen. Right. Um, so, yeah, so, so alcohol will really not be something, you know, people can sit within three feet of the parklet. Right, and, so if and I drink, extend yeah.
2: my arm... R- pretty I could much, yes, <laughs> yes. Potentially <laughs> yeah. be a
1: non Because that, That's how close spot. it is, too. I yeah, mean, it's he- literally like a sidewalk block. Right, right, right. And part of this is gonna is all going to be part of the intention behind Jovian space expansion, um, which they're going to be in the process of doing in early 2016. Um, part of that is actually looking to create an outdoor. The, the liquor authority is very big on the idea that you have direct access, so you can control. Um, and if you're familiar with the Joe Bean space, there's a lobby basically yeah. that people have to walk through. That's a that's a that's a big issue, you know, sure. for liquor Authority, So especially when it pertains to outdoor seating. So Joe Bean will be looking to create. An, uh, uh, Door facing towards University Avenue that would actually go directly out, which will yeah. all help to program that aspect of that the space That could be really too. cool. So it, it, I think it's just going to activate the whole space. Um, you know, yes, it's 100 percent public. If Joe Bean, you know, were to move in two years from that spot, that parklet's still going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still going to serve. You know, there's Mueller Cider uh, uh, House, which is going to be opening up next door. You've got the Revelry right down the block. You've got uh, a bunch of restaurants that have popped up recently. Saha's, Pomodoro, who's been there for a long time. You know, really anybody in the neighborhood that wants to use it. Is as a, a respite spot um, can come and can do that. And, you know, again, it's not... We're, Joe Bean will help to maintain it, um, but it is public in every bit of its ethos, <laughs> which is important. I think that's that's very important. You don't want to create privately accessible space for private businesses. I think... The idea of improving public space across the city and doing it in a way that's very feasible is finding these corners that could actually help program, you know, where is there a, a, a parklet for Park Ave? You know, that can happen. You know, where is where's a spot in the neighborhood of the arts, maybe further up near Goodman University that could actually let people take advantage of the restaurants that are there or just even the amount of traffic that's there and actually give them a spot to gather. So it it has to be public in its in its
2: origin. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm going to find it really interesting. Obviously, it's the first one here, and I'm going to be really interested to see how it how it evolves and how it how it changes. Is it in fact the first one outside of New York City? That I don't know. I you know we've
1: we've done it's not not in in the country in the state. Oh no no no. the state possibly in New York. I feel like it just. I automatically go to the common denominator that Ithaca must have done it. You know, so I I laugh, but you know, there, there must be some aspect within Ithaca because I feel like that's where it would come from or or Woodstock or somewhere like that. It it is actually quite possible. That's the case. We have to research that. Um, I know in other cities on the Eastern seaboard, they certainly have existed. I think Philadelphia has one. Um, at one point we had the list of all the places, Uh, you know, obviously it's a West coast phenomenon, San Fran, Portland, Vancouver, Seattle, you know, bringing over to the East coast and few places uh, on the East coast have popped up. But, um, New York is a great example because there was that one... Uh, area near Chelsea Market that they closed off that used to be open to traffic and they actually closed <laughs> off the whole corridor and made it into outdoor public seating so that might be slightly larger than a parklet sure. Um, but again it's the same idea and uh, Rochester guys, um, Jason Swingle and Stephanie just got back from Italy and I thought it was really cool that while they're in Italy they're kind of keeping an eye out for what the public spaces look like in Italy so they put up a, a blog with a couple photos recently of some spots that they observed that were the same idea of kind of this public courtyard where it's it was concrete, it was used for You know, transportation purposes, and now it's been been closed off, and it allows people to actually find a space that they can
0: enjoy. No, it's really it's a it's a fascinating idea, and like I said, it's going to be a really it's going to be a great experiment, if nothing else. Right, I I really hope it's successful because it offers opportunities for, um, I think as we we've talked before, you know, possibly you know, pop up restaurants and the food trucks and. All sorts of cool things.
1: Right. Yeah, I I think seeing how this one will function, you know, I, I feel very confident just knowing... You know it, I can't tell you how funny it was and how many times we heard people say that when we paint we basically mapped the parklet out, so if you were to walk in front of Joe Bean there's green paint right. and we etched the Rochester parklet logo just to get get people excited and to begin envisioning the concept of what this parklet would be. I can't tell you how many times i I heard from people that they thought that was the parklet oh, and geez. so so i I laugh at that, but I also and I'm spent re, re, twelve grand on paint yeah <laughs> I'm also very relieved at that because that Space was already being programmed with, with bare essential stuff, you know, with a picnic table right. that was out there over green paint. So what is it going to look like when you can actually build the infrastructure for this thing to become a parklet? You know, normally parklets are actually slightly elevated up off the, off the street, so it's kind of like stepping up into a deck. And this will be really, really interesting to see what creativity Stash comes up with in the design. And then I think getting back to your other point about wanting to see it go across the city, I think really that's about holding the city to what the city has said. And the city said when we did this project that if we built this one successfully, they would actually launch a municipal parklet program. Um, so, you know, I think that that needs to happen. If if this is built successfully, then that's absolutely what I want to see is I want to see the city of Rochester adopted as a formal program, maybe under Department of Environmental Services, where this there's ways, you know... If you go to rochesterparklet.com, there are actual municipal parklet guides that have been created by the by Minneapolis, by Vancouver, um, I think by uh, San Fran is the other one that's on the site that you can download that were created by the city that literally gives step by step instructions of if you want a parklet, here's how you apply for the permitting. You know, here's the materials we recommend, here's design options. Um, that's where this needs to go for Rochester, and then we can start to see how it will impact and affect you know our neighborhoods.
0: Yeah. No, so that's uh, coming spring twenty sixteen. Is what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, that's right now. that's
1: the goal. So we have a lot of work uh, ahead of us. We just got done. Uh, I just got done contacting. I think almost all two hundred and eleven backers to the campaign and making sure we're getting them their rewards. Wow. Yeah, um, where's my T-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. So we're we're organizing all of that. Um, but I, I I think it's going to be terrific. I think you know. Uh, obviously, in the warmer weather, uh, it, it will be popular. I, I think you'll even see people out there in the middle of winter time, you know, s- sitting out there enjoying it. If you have a hot cup of coffee, it gives you a little bit more, you know, boldness to to go outside in the cold. So,
0: gives you boldness to do a lot of different things. <laughs> so, on that note, I think we're going to wrap up. So, let's go through and get people's plugs out again. Um, Mr. Chris Clemens, go ahead.
2: Oh, my plugs? Yeah, come on up. Oh, yeah. So my website is exploringupstate.com. And you can follow me also on Facebook at facebook.com slash exploringupstate. And then on Twitter and Instagram, I'm C.P. Clemens.
0: Mr. Benwell. <laughs> uh
1: You can find us at uh, slowroadtravel.com, uh, slowroadtravel on uh, Instagram and Facebook. And uh, our videos can be found from uh, vimeo.com slash slowroad.
0: Awesome. And... I'm gonna start putting my own plugs at the end too. So, foodabouttown.com, obviously, since you're listening to this, and then foodabouttown on Facebook and Strohme on Instagram and Twitter. So, guys, thanks for coming over. Yeah, uh, it's always wrap. good to thanks chat for with you. Man. Us. Yeah, it's it an interesting topic. I'm glad we stepped away from the city a little bit and talked about some interesting spots to go out during the winter time. So,
1: it's part of part of the best thing about living in the city of Rochester is the option of being able to go and explore and then come back.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks, guys.
1: Thanks a lot. Thank you.